right, you're listening to the Steve Schramm Show. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week. I want to remind you that the show is brought to you by the Creation Academy. By the Creation Academy. You can get there by going to creationcourses.com. If you don't know what's going on over there, we are producing online courses for you to learn more about God's creation, interacting with the creation science material, the best that's available, interacting with theological material, interacting, of course, with the Word of God itself. And we're going through and adding new courses as they uh, become available. We have a new one out there right now on creation and predation, working on our next one on interpreting the Bible. More to come, so go check that out, creationcourses.com. Of course, you can also purchase our all-access pass where you get courses to or access to all current and future courses for one monthly price. Again, we just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us. We're going to be talking about something that I think is really, really important this week uh, because it's growing again, and this movement of really the absence of truth is growing, and there is even a dangerous sense in which it is growing within Christian circles. So we want to talk just a little bit about this and kind of get to the the bottom of the issue. Uh, and so here's what I titled the episode, and I'm just going to go ahead and bring it out here to you because I think it really characterizes the issue. Your truth, like, you know what I mean? Like, quote unquote, your truth is not a thing. Your, your truth is not a thing. In other words... There's no such thing as truth, okay, that is exclusive to you on any meaningful definition of the word truth. And so we're going to talk about the definition of truth, what it is that truth actually, you know, means. What I think some people mean when they say something like, uh, when they make the statement, you know, your truth, or when they say something like my truth, etc. So we're going to talk about what I think people mean when they when they say that, and uh, why why it's really confusing. If if they if what they mean is innocuous, then then really it is a confusing kind of thing that confuses people who are maybe new to the game of life uh, in terms of, you know, they're coming into adulthood or whatever. Maybe, maybe they're new to Christianity. And so if we're, if we're misleading these people, because especially, you know, what I'm, what I'm referring to here is there are a lot of people writing new books that are coming out and they're written under the guise of Christianity. That is, they are written by people who claim to be making meaningful statements that are grounded in what they believe the Bible says. So they say these things. And there are a lot of people who are new to the Christian life who are reading these materials and getting confused. There are some who are coming to it who aren't necessarily new, but they've maybe been Christians for a while and they've just not really been exposed to proper biblical teaching about some of these things. And and it leads it leads 
down a dangerous path, even if it doesn't start there. And the direction that we're going with this podcast, it's going to be a bit of a journey between where we're going to start and where we're going, because they seem unrelated, but they really are related actually in a very, very close way. And one thing I want to kind of preface this with, and this will become more clear why I'm doing this as we move throughout the lesson, okay? But one of the reasons that um, that this is important to me is because I actually am a huge advocate for self-development, for personal development. Uh, I don't really like to use the term self-help because of the connotations that come with it. Um, but I think one of the best perspectives you can get on this is to read a book that I read recently and recommended. I reviewed it on the blog. It's called Union with Christ by Rankin Wilborn. He's a he's a solid teacher. Uh, he is reformed. I'm I'm not reformed uh, in my theology, but he is uh, he is. And either way, though, his teaching on this subject of union with Christ is just oh man, it is so good. It is just it's 100% biblical advice put in terms that make sense. And he makes the idea of 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 personal development make sense in the context of being a Christian who is in Christ. It's just it's just a really, really great book. The book is not about personal development, so don't misunderstand me. It's about our position and identity in Christ. But so much of the material out there that is for p- personal development or self-help or whatever you want to call it is geared towards the improvement of self apart from our identity in Christ. And that is that's a mistaken, I think, way of looking at it. And it's especially mistaken when it is being looked at in an allegedly Christian context. So we, we want to talk about that a little bit. That is where that is where we're going. So maybe you're like a new Christian listening to this, but you're, and you're confused about like the nature of truth because, you know, you grow up and you hear people, it's a big deal today. It's a big thing for people to just be like, well, you know, truth Truth is relative. Truth is relative between people. Truth is relative between societies. You know, even if there is such a thing as truth, we can never really know what it is anyway. The best we can do is just try to make other people happy. Now, maybe you're a seasoned Christian and you're wrapped up in this cultural Christianity and you're simply mistaken about this foundational premise. Maybe that's you listening. I kind of doubt that based on who my listeners are. But just, but just keep on. Maybe somebody has given you this. Maybe one of my regular listeners has given you this podcast to listen to, and to 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 consider whether the kind of thing that you are espousing right now is actually uh, biblical and actually matches reality. So that's kind of the angle we're going to come at. Or or maybe you're a seasoned Christian who just wishes to clearly and graciously express this to others. You know why it is that their truth doesn't exist. Why it is that your truth doesn't exist. And what matters is the truth, the objective truth that is founded and grounded and rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. So we want to talk about that. We want to deal with the obstacles (laughs) that hinder people from understanding this. Like I said, so many popular Christian teachers who introduce these worldly ideas of new spirituality and things like that into Christianity. These cultural appeals that you constantly get to become your your highest self or your best self, you know, live your best life now kind of a thing. 
or just the improper use of scriptures to justify unbiblical ideas. So we're going to talk about uh, talk about that as much as we possibly can to try to to demystify this issue a bit in the few minutes we have together today. Now I want to start off by giving you a statement that is it's kind of catchy on purpose okay it's it's kind of it's it's made to make you think because it does okay it's made to make you think so here's what the statement is if truth doesn't exist then it does exist think about that for just a minute if truth doesn't exist then it does exist. Now, why does this statement work? Okay, well, this statement works because you're saying if truth doesn't exist. So that's kind of like a premise. So what the person, you know, would, would be claiming is you, maybe you're repeating that back to somebody, but what you would be repeating back is basically a, a summary of what they said. And what they said is maybe truth doesn't exist. Okay? Truth doesn't exist. So then you say, well, if truth doesn't exist, then it does exist. And they're going to be like, what? Probably because they've never thought any deeper about it. Because they've, they're just, again, they're like Greg Kokel says, right? They're just repeating what they've heard other people say. If truth doesn't exist, then it does exist. Why is that? Because the term truth doesn't exist, that, that line, truth doesn't exist, is a truth claim about the nature of reality. Right? Somebody says truth doesn't exist. But that means that that statement is either true or false. Propositions are, in this case, either true or they're false. When somebody says something that is either a true statement, insofar as it's meant to be a clear statement about the nature of reality, it's either true or it's not true or false. Okay, so if truth doesn't exist, then it does exist. Now, you know, I mean, let's, let's, let's grant this. Certainly, there are cases, okay, in which there is not objective truth. In other words, other than in a sense where we would be joking about it, it is not objectively true that vanilla is better than chocolate. Okay, vanilla ice cream is better than chocolate ice cream. Now, I happen to think that's the case, but I have other people who are very close to me who would disagree strongly. Okay, this is a matter of preference. It's a matter of preference. So not everything has this objective truth tied to it. Now, truth is tied to the identity of the thing. In other words, the first law of, of, of logic really uh, is the law of identity. Uh, if, you know, A equals A, not A equals not A, you know, that kind of thing. A is not equal to B. In other words, things have distinct properties that make them different from everything else. And we use words to describe some of those different properties based on, you know, what's in front of us. So, you know, there is a reason why chocolate ice cream is chocolate, and that is something distinct from vanilla. If what we were looking at is something that instead had the properties of vanilla ice cream, then we wouldn't continue to call it chocolate. We would call it 
vanilla. Does that make sense? So that is how the law of identity works. So if truth doesn't exist, then it does exist because it's a propositional statement about the nature of reality. Truth is not the kind of thing that is like ice cream flavors. It's not uh, an ice cream flavor kind of thing, whether the world is round or flat. Now, I realize that there are a lot of people today who actually do think the world is flat, and this is not the purpose of our conversation uh, to talk about that today. But I happen to think that the world is round. I think there's sufficient and ample evidence for that, to say the least. And so uh, this is something that, whether or not that statement is true, it's either true or false. It is either true or false that the world is round. It doesn't matter what I think about it. It doesn't matter what you think about it. It doesn't matter what your friend or your family member or your uncle or your cat think about it. It really doesn't matter. It's either one way or the other. But that is something different than whether or not vanilla tastes better to you or chocolate tastes better to you. These are different kinds of things. And the sooner we realize that, and the better that we are able to convey that to others, the more effective we will be at getting rid of this connotation about the nature of reality once and for all. So I want to work through some examples here. I want to work through some real quick examples and show you to illustrate some of what I am talking about about. Now, again, this is just, this is rooted. This is your truth, my truth. This is people who claim to be popular Christian teachers even who say this kind of thing. Well, this is just my truth. This is just your truth. Speak your truth. Live your truth. They make statements like this, and the statements are wrongheaded and misguided at best, flat out incorrect, uh, more likely, and frankly dangerous with respect to the project of Christianity if they mean to be speaking in the name of Christianity. So let's look through just a couple of real quick examples. This example I found online just doing a Google search. I found it from a, a guy who was blogging. His name is Tony uh, Falkry, I think. It's F-A-H-K-R-Y. Tony Falkry, something like that. Okay, and he is a coach. He's a you know a, a blogger. He is a you know a, a, an influencer online, evidently. And so he wrote this blog post, and I'm just going to quote it to you. Here it is: "Quote, it is no secret that power and truth are synonymous, since one cannot exist without the other. As you assert your inner power, you live an authentic life." which is bestowed in the truth of your being. To live your truth gives relevance to honoring your highest principled virtue, bound by the essence of your highest self. The higher self is the quintessential aspect of who you are. It is the embodiment of your spiritual nature, unbound by human weaknesses. Living your truth must come to represent that which is true for you alone and unhindered by outside influences. Your truth is the essence of your spiritual nature. That is, once the mental facade has been transformed, the truth gives way to the light of your being. In doing so, you overcome emotional impediments that may stifle 
your growth. Close quote. Okay, now, (laughs) where do you start, right? I mean, where do you start with that? First of all, there are a ton of statements in that quote that don't even make sense. I mean, it's no secret that power and truth are synonymous. I'm not even sure what that is supposed to mean. Living your truth must come to represent that which is true for you alone and unhindered by outside influences. Okay, so is he talking about ice cream flavors or what color is grass? Or the color red has these certain properties, but I want to arbitrarily call it green without changing the properties. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a big difference here. And the way the terminology is being used, it's almost as if the truth is unquestionable, undeniable, and objective, but only for you. But friends, that's relativism. That's relativism. We can call it objective, right? We could say that it is, it is, it is true for us. That is unhindered, as this gentleman says, by outside influences. Now, this guy, I don't know if he's a Christian. I, I didn't see on his blog that he claimed to be a Christian. So I, I, I'm going to assume he's not based on the language that's being used here. Uh, but, but the point is that this is not something that makes any sense of reality. So when we use the word truth, it, it can't be. It can't be that living your truth must come to represent that which is true for you alone and unhindered by outside influences. Okay, but, the, but we can't be talking about things that are grounded in the nature of reality and not in the nature of one's own psyche. Whether or not one is biologically a male or a female has nothing to do with what somebody thinks about the scenario, it's what does the biology say, okay? For example, that's just one example with something that's culturally confusing right now, okay? So, again, when we're looking at a quote like this, we have to ask that question. Are we, are we talking about the kinds of things that are preferential, or, or are we making something that ought to be really viewed as objective? Are we making that into something that is preferential. So there's a big difference there. I'm going to give you one more quote. It's something that happened recently, and uh, this is one from politics, and I really don't like to get into politics, but we're going to mention it anyway because it's important. Now, this is a person who, again, I, I have no reason to think that she's a Christian or that she uh, you know, claims to be a Christian of any kind. I'm not sure that she does. And uh, again, I, I wouldn't think that she is based on statements that she makes and, uh, and, and worldview uh, choices and things that she rallies for. Uh, but Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, she's really, really big, young, uh, um, you know, I, I don't even want to use the word liberal, but young leftist, really, politician, who is coming on the scene with this Green New Deal of hers. And she's made quite a splash with this essentially socialist vision for the future. And so she was being interviewed recently by Anderson Cooper on uh, his 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 show concerning this fuzzy math supposedly of her Green New Deal, 
And so there's actual, you know, real life things at stake here. You know, you can go online and read a little bit about that. But basically, she wants to, you know, rebuild all the buildings, um, shut down, all, you know, all the planes. She wants to make everything green and, 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 and efficient and solar powered and just whatever renewable energy. Well, uh, I work for attorneys full time who work in renewable energy. I, I value that. I'm into technology. I think um, that we can certainly do better and, 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 and use renewable resources. I have no problem with that. But what she's talking about here is something entirely different that we don't have time to go into. So I just want to give you this quote that she said in relation to this uh, fuzzy math with this conversation with Anderson Cooper. Here's what she said, quote, if people want to really blow up one figure here or word there, I would argue that they're missing the forest for the trees, she said. I think that there are a lot of people more concerned about being precisely, factually, and semantically correct than about being morally right. Close quote. I mean, think about what she just said there. Number one, there is a underlying, or I guess I should say an unargued, philosophical proposition in there that what is morally right is not grounded in truth. It's only facts and semantics, etc., that can be dealt with objectively. But morality is something that, um, um, you know, must be dealt with individually. Now, there's that. that's an unargued philosophical move in there that she didn't really argue for. Okay, so, but, but, but then the bigger issue is just that, uh, you know, people are just more concerned about being factually precise and correct and semantically correct. This is somehow, in her mind, separated from the moral question. And it just, again, it just goes to show that if somebody feels like something is moral, you know, on, on this view, if, so, if somebody feels that their cause is worth fighting for, if somebody feels that there is a moral virtue at stake here that everybody should be espousing, then what's factually true about the situation doesn't matter. I mean... I just can't get there. I can't get there with her. So you see what the kind of thing I'm talking about. This is the fruits of this kind of thinking. And yes, I want to bring it into a Christian context. And neither of those quotes were uh, from Christians. But they illustrate the ideas that many Christians espouse today because they simply don't know any better. I mean, that's the, the fact. They don't know any better. And so... If you're listening to this right now, I'm not blaming you for that. I'm just saying, let, look at let, let's let's try to understand what the real nature of reality is, right? And go from there. Okay. So with that, I think it's a good time to go into the definition of truth. To look at the definition of truth, and then. We are probably going to close it down for today, and we'll pick up with this next week. But I just want to leave you thinking about this. Take a week to think about an actual definition of objective truth. And it's really, really, really simple. I'm not even going to use the Bible to define it, okay, in this particular case, because I want I want this appeal just to be so, 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 so common sense. I mean, everybody gets this, okay? Truth 
in an ultimate sense, okay, now we're not talking about, again, we're not talking about preferences. When somebody says your truth, I, 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 think, I, I think it's okay to say something like that if it's very clear that what you're talking about is a preference that you have. But again, I, I say we shouldn't use those words at all. I don't think we should use those words at all because it's so confusing. Preferences versus truth, these are two completely different things. So think about the definition of truth this week and we'll come back and talk about some of those good intentions and uh, some other insights from that book that I mentioned earlier, Union with Christ. We'll talk about that a little bit next week and deal with some of the insights from that that I think are going to be very helpful for you. But I just want you to think about this. Truth is that which matches reality. Truth is that which matches reality. And to add to that, I just want you to think, is is reality, is, is the nature of reality, is that something that is grounded, is that something that comes from inside of you and me? Or is that something that comes from outside of you and me? So it's an inside or an outside question. As an analogy, if I am looking out of my window and I see trees outside, is the tree's existence a feature of something that originates inside of inside of me? Am I creating that in my mind? Or does that tree really exist, look like it does in the real world, and have the properties that it does in the real world? Truth is that which matches reality. In reality is that which stems from the world outside of you and me when we're considering it. So I want you to think about that. We'll pick up right here again next time, and we will look at some of the good intentions people have. We'll talk about some insights from union with Christ and kind of understand why this relativistic idea is no good. All right? Thank you uh, so much for joining us. Let's say a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you and want to come to you in thanksgiving and, and, and praise and, and, uh, and, and just joyous rejoicing for how good you are for having saved our soul, Lord, for for correcting what's wrong with the world, for sending your son to die, Lord, to take our sin and our shame and our burden and our due on himself. Father, we just, uh, we can't even imagine the nature of your love, the true nature of your love. It's just so far beyond that which we could even begin to grasp. But we just want to thank you, Lord, for that. And the words almost seem shallow and, and insufficient, Lord. But as best we know how, we will praise you for every good gift and blessing that you've given us. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. Well, I want to say thank you so much again for hanging out with me on the Steve Stram Show here this week. We're going to come back again next week finishing up talking about this. Hey, don't forget to run over to creationcourses.com creationcourses.com uh, You can actually enroll in the school over there even if you don't purchase a course. So obviously I want you to purchase a course because you know we're developing these things for your learning. Yes, they cost money, uh, but it takes time and money and effort to be able to put these things together and uh, to create an environment and a learning environment for you where you can you know, learn these things and take them into the real world and use them and learn them in a systematic way. So we want to encourage you to go over there, enroll in the school so you can at least keep up with what's going on. Uh, again, purchase a course if you want to. 
We'd love for you to, but just enroll in the school with nothing else. That way we can know you're interested in future uh, courses that come out and kind of keep you updated on things like that. Okay. All right, guys. I certainly appreciate it. Remember, that's creationcourses.com. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye-bye.